Hello, hello, and what is up, teachers? Hope everyone's well. In today's episode, we have a very special guest. Casey Bailey is an award-winning rapper-poet from right here in Birmingham. He's an assistant head teacher, as well as a doctor of education. His books can be found on Amazon, Please Do Not Touch, Adjusted, and From This Soil, in which Casey talks about life growing up in inner-city Birmingham. In today's episode, Casey's going to give us five tips for supporting students with ADHD. How are you today, Casey? I'm blessed, thank you. How are you? I'm very good, man. I'm very good. And I've always wanted to say this whilst holding a microphone. Is Birmingham in the house? Oh, we are in the house, most definitely. <laughs> Hell, mate. It's all about Birmingham being in the house, man. <laughs> cool. So what is your tip for well, your first tip for us today? Uh, my first tip for supporting students with ADHD is use concise one and two step instructions to chunk the information that they're receiving. So, for example, if you give a student with ADHD an instruction that is, you know, open your book, write the title down, answer question one, go and talk to the person next to you about whatever, you're going to be in a position where it's likely that that student is not going to understand or recollect all of those instructions due to the executive function being uh, different in students of ADHD. And because of that, they're likely to just essentially freeze and not do any of the tasks that you've asked them to do. So one and two step instructions are a really important way of chunking information for your students with ADHD. So, so it's more important then <clears throat> in the case of students with ADHD that we're more mindful of their cognitive load. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. So it's, it's all about being extra mindful of that. Oh, that makes absolute sense. And what is your second tip for us today? Uh, my second tip for supporting students with ADHD is also around chunking, but it's about the chunking of tasks. So once you've set a task, so I, for example, currently have the pleasure of teaching secondary English and maths. And, wow. <laughs> uh, right. Um, exactly. That includes, for example, if I'm teaching a student and I want them to write an essay and I want them to write four or five paragraphs, I might put a dot on their page and say, I'm going to circulate the room when I get back in four or five minutes. I want you to have written these four lines and that is a manageable amount of work for that student to concentrate on for that period of time. If I say write five paragraphs, because that feels like such a large amount of work and there are issues around task initiation for people with ADHD, you're likely to end up with that person just staring at a blank page. Now, what they don't know is you're going to come back around, congratulate them on their four lines and put another dot four lines further down. Go on then, give me another four lines. And you work through that and you end up with a full page of writing from that student. Yeah. So it's almost as if just giving it to them step by step Absolutely. with the aim of, of having the same outcome as you would from anybody else. You're just delivering it differently. Absolutely. I actually spoke to, I spoke to Jennifer Webb. You probably know her from Twitter as well. Um, and she, she said something very similar about going around and putting the dots. And it's amazing just how much of an impact something as little as that can actually have. Absolutely. It just makes the next task so much more manageable because you're yeah. looking at a small piece of writing rather than a big one. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so what is your third tip for us today? Uh, my third tip is when you're dealing with students of ADHD, when you're teaching them, when you're supporting them, catch them early. So whether that's being good or getting it wrong, catch them as early as possible. Don't wait until you have uh, an escalation of a problem that needs a bigger, more serious challenge. And, and similarly, don't wait for them to be amazing before they get any praise. So if they get something right, that's brilliant. Well done. Let's keep going. 
if they get something wrong, come on, you haven't started that task yet. Come on, let's stay focused. Let's not be having a chat. If we can do that in a calm and um, early manner, what we end up is we don't end up with the blow-ups that sometimes can be associated with students with ADHD um, because of their kind of issues around emotional control. Because it's small, because it doesn't feel high pressure or high stakes, it keeps them moving along really positively. So whether it's something negative or something positive, catch them early. Catch them early, every time. Okay, brilliant. Because then sometimes, I mean, for the teacher, when, when you let things build up yourself as a teacher you get more frustrated as well. Absolutely. And if you let it build, 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 and that's when you start screaming and shouting and doing things that we've all done at some point, you know? Absolutely. Whereas if you nip it in the bud right there, that makes perfect sense. Then you, you almost, it's better for the child. It's better for you too. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And, it, and therefore kind of goes without saying it's better for the relationship as well, which is really important. Of course. Cause then you're not at odds with each other all the time. Yeah. yeah. So what's your fourth tip for us today? Uh, my fourth tip for supporting students with ADHD is around limiting distractions. So you've got your obvious things like, you know, don't necessarily sit someone next to someone they're going to be chatty with. Um, don't sit students next to windows if possible, because everything outside the window becomes uh, amazing <laughs> and everything inside the lesson becomes ignored. Um, mm -hmm. So little things. So, you know, if you sit a student with ADHD, not all, but definitely a lot in my experience next to like on a desk with a little bit of the top broken so they can pick at it or mm -hmm. a little bit of paint peeling on the wall that they can have a flick at. Um, that definitely becomes an issue. And I had an example yesterday where I was teaching a student uh, before he came into the room, I was walking around the room, not looking for anything in particular. And I realized that his chair was broken at the front. So there was a little crack mm -hmm. in the chair. And before he got in the room, I, I switched that chair because if he'd have sat down and noticed that crack in the chair, A, he probably would have broke the chair in half. And being okay. definitely been distracted throughout the lesson just because it's there and it's really hard then for him to pull his attention away from it. See, I wouldn't have thought of that as as a distraction. Yeah, that that to, that to me is not is not something obvious at all. Do Do you have any other examples of, I guess, less obvious distractions for students with ADHD? Um, I think, I think definitely the, the paint on the wall one is a good one, even sometimes, and you can't always do something about this, but even sometimes if there's things on the floor that they can put their foot on or mess with, or like ink on the table, somebody's sat there the lesson before and written something, all those yeah. kind of things can be a distraction. Even the, even the book, if you're handing out textbooks and you've got a particularly beaten up textbook, if that cover started to peel, they'll keep peeling the cover. So it's things like that that wouldn't necessarily stick out to another student that can become a real distraction for your ADHD student. Okay. Oh, wow. No, I would never have known that. <coughs> so what is your fifth tip for us today? Uh, my fifth tip, and this links back to, I guess, one of the things that lots of people think of when they think of ADHD, the kind of mm -hmm. potential for a volatile moment or a heated moment um, mm -hmm. is often I try to challenge any form of, uh, what appears to be rudeness with what I would call a kind question. So if I bump into a student and I say, you know, Omar, can you tuck your shirt in for me, please? And mm -hmm. the reaction comes across as unnecessarily rude or um, aggressive, then then my response would be, oh my gosh, is everything okay? Are, are you all right? And sometimes that disarms and takes them back to thinking, how have I spoken to make Sir want to check if I'm okay? 
because sometimes it the intention is not to be rude. But as a teacher, I've been in a situation where I've said, can you tuck your shirt in, please? And the kids are, gosh, man. And I've gone, well, who are you talking to? And we get into this very rapidly into this kind of arms race up to the top of how angry mm-hmm. you get. Um, and actually, you can disarm that with a, are you all right? Because you seem quite angry. Is something that I'm saying offending you? I'm not trying to upset you. And very quickly, a lot of students go, in their head, they go, oh, gosh, the way I've spoken has made Sir think I'm angry at Sir when I'm not. And they'll often just go, oh, no, Sir. Sorry, Sir. I didn't mean to come across in that way. And we can diffuse a potentially um, volatile situation. So it's all about employing those de-escalation techniques, but in a very specific way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, fine, fine. When we spoke earlier, you mentioned that you were actually diagnosed with ADHD in your late teens, I believe. Did you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so so I went throughout um, my secondary education without a diagnosis of ADHD, which was interesting. Um, And I went to a school where challenging behavior was quite normal. So I'm not necessarily um, blaming my teachers for that fact, but it happened. Um, I then did three years at A-level because I was removed from a couple of A-level courses. And when I got to university, I, in my first lecture, sorry, my first lecture with a lecturer who I now am still in touch with, is very much like a hero in my life. Wow. I, um, I was just being me, tapping quite a lot, and she had to keep talking to me about it. And at the end of the lecture, she, everyone went and she said, Casey, can I just speak to you for a second? So I stopped and she said, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. Um, but something's not right with you. Um, <laughs> How can you not think that the wrong way? Like, right. Excuse me? <laughs> it's not the wording that I would have gone with these days. Um, I, <laughs> I appreciated her noticing. Um, and we then went through this process of me being in touch with CAMS. Uh, CAMS came and interviewed my mom, interviewed some of my former teachers. Um, and I remember them, them interviewing my mom. And they said, you know, did he ever have any kind of quirky things he would say or anything that would make you think he was a bit different to your other children. And my mom said, well, I told him I was going to wring his neck once. And he, he told me, you can't wring my neck. It's not a bell. When I was about five years old. And <laughs> I love the, it. The, the psychologist started writing very quickly. Um, and I think she knew then where she was going with her decision. So yeah, it was, um, it was an interesting time. And, and I still live with kind of strategies that I use to manage the fact that I do have ADHD. Yeah, yeah. So you can actually speak a, a, a lot about this from personal experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, so the things that you're kind of the, the tips that you're giving us, you've either seen your teachers do or not do. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Is, is that the yeah? Is that a good one, assumption? One, the the, um, the arms races. I've been I've been on either side of them. <laughs> so, oh wow. Yeah. It, fun times in school. Yeah, I could imagine. Well, thank you so much, Casey. I really appreciate that, man. It's a pleasure. No worries. Cheers. Thank you.